Welcome to Season 3 of Core Stories. I'm Emily Bruff, Communications Director at Otter Creek Church. Fun fact about William Jenkins, he was the first person that I ever interviewed for the Core Stories podcast. He was so incredibly gracious to me when we had to sit down again due to technical difficulties, so everyone should absolutely go back and listen to episode number five and hear the beginnings of William at Otter Creek. William is a teacher, a film producer, and an activist, and he agreed to sit down with me amazingly again to talk about the work he's doing in the community and at Otter Creek for racial reconciliation. I know you'll enjoy hearing his perspective. Thank you for listening. Uh, my name is William Jenkins. Uh, very similar to Bruce Wayne and that fateful night when he was a boy. Very similar to when Clark Kent uh, first crash landed on, on Earth. It's my uh, ascendancy here at the Otter Creek. Uh, it's kind of all the same. It's been transformative for me um, because I've uh, I've discovered more and more that one of the real uh uh, juxtapositions in America is this idea of integration. This idea of integration uh, was never executed properly with the Civil Rights Act of 1965. So now that this, it hasn't been, uh, it hasn't, uh, pro- was not properly executed, you have suburban, middle class, and upper class whites who never come in contact with African Americans except in a supervisor, administrator, boss role. And for a lot of African Americans, the only real relationship we have with black, with white people is in that capacity. So as equals, or as people that will sit on the same pulpit and have the same spiritual traditions and uh, and deal with issues from a, from a spiritual perspective, it doesn't happen. So that's the thing that I've learned is that these issues are still embedded in the American psyche. Uh, and a lot of it plays in integration because society was never fully integrated. I've learned that a lot of the issues uh, that, I, that I've dealt with as a traditionally as an African-American, as a, as a person of color, uh, have are duplicated and they replicate in a lot of ways, they're a lot worse in the mainstream society. The difference is the mainstream society has a lot of uh, other opportunities to, uh, to take care of these issues. Uh, Malcolm X said that when uh, uh, white Americans get a cold, black people get, a pneumo- get pneumonia, and I totally agree with that. So I, I find that to be the thing that's most interesting from a perspective of intimacy with uh, my family here at Otter Creek. The thing that I find for the greater overall uh, good of people is Otter Creek is in a unique position because of this level of influence the people that attend this church. Otter Creek is making a real impact when you talk about race relations and leveling the playing field. And even from a purely intangible standpoint with the ministry, with Josh's ministry, with his teaching, with the way the Bible studies, uh, uh, the Bible classes are set up, and people like Jerry and Sandra Collins and the work that they do in the community uh, with people like Gail Shrugley and a bunch of other people with the Wayne Reed Center, we have an amazing opportunity to impact uh, the race relations in the community also. Well, one of the things I appreciate here and now, here and now is an incredible, uh, was an incredible opportunity for Otter Creek to celebrate the life and times of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And I really, really appreciate the opportunity of getting to know uh, uh, Matt Hearn and his wife more. It was an incredible opportunity to work with them because I've always been impressed with this. Uh, I'm very impressed with the scholarship of of Matt uh, with his level with, with his uh, uh, relationship with literature. Uh, this is very important because I I love to read. 
from an individual perspective, I'm, I'm amazed at, at, at what you see with Dwayne Dix is what you get. He is as decent uh, as he appears to be. He is as, as, as nice as he appears to be. He's as hardworking as he appears to be. Uh, I actually haven't had anybody do the whole 180 and tell me I was a member of the White Citizens Council and now I'm about to join Sherry Lane. No, I haven't had that uh, happen yet, but I'm looking forward to that when it does. Uh, that hasn't necessarily happened, but but I am glad that we're able to talk about these topics because one of the things that, that's happening, especially in the class that I'm doing with Dwayne, um, is that people are coming up to me talking about they had no ideas of some of the angst and fears that I had. And to be very honest, I had no idea that there were so many whites who've never really dealt with African-Americans. Uh, Jim Arnett and I were never really apart. I, I felt like Jim, as soon as I got here, Jim and I got close. Uh, but one of the conversations that I had with Jim is when he talks about uh, his background and he talks about his, his how he was in the armed forces, is even in some of the armed forces, there's not a relationship where there's there they have access to African American men. And I just want to keep keep reiterating that because I think that the proximity has a lot to do with this. Well it, it's called uh, 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 the hard truth of black man and a white man uh, going to a church at Brentwood. And one of the things that when Dwayne and I first talked about the class, he wanted to offer a class on race. And it had to be different though. Because a lot of the, we had a, niche, a class on race with uh, Robert Jackson and Lee Camp, and it was from a theological perspective. My, my uh, uh, ideology is that from a purely theological perspective, I think that that's important, but more than anything else, it needs to be practical. I'm much more con concerned and consumed with what the people at Otter Creek do from Monday to Saturday when it comes to race. Sunday, it's quite obvious that the people here ha have an affinity for me. Uh, but that, that, that can be very misleading uh, because if you look at me, you say, oh, God, this guy's so good looking. He's so articulate. Uh, he's so attractive. He's so charismatic. It's easy to have a lot of love for me. But what about the average black man? What about the average person uh, that, 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 that's, that's walking down the street? Are they going to have an issue with that person? Uh, and that's what I'm much more concerned with. This is pretty good. <laughs> Did you even like this, Emily? Uh, so, but no, but Monday through through Saturday is what I'm much more concerned with because the people at Otter Creek are in, are in so many instances where they have influence and have access to wealth and have access to power. If they have issues with African-Americans or people of color or gay people or anybody that, that's not a white Protestant male, then it's going to come out in the way they deal with people. And that's the issue. Because on Sunday, we're not even together all day on Sunday. This is... Uh, <laughs> because of the way the church service is set up here at Otter Creek, uh, it's very organized. It's, it's, I would even say it's timed even. <laughs> but uh, because of that, you would, um, you would never going to have a situation where w w is that intimate. So what happens afterwards? And so what the class I'm hoping to do creates a perspective where whites who've never had or known the stories of people can begin to think about their relationship with African Americans very differently. Well, a good example is a good example of what we talk about in the class is we recently had uh, uh, Sekou uh, Franklin, who's a political scientist at Middle Tennessee State University, come to the class and he talked about community oversight. And community oversight was is is it's a matter of law in Davidson County now, where 
the, the community is going to have 11 people that are going to have oversight and a say in what happens with Metro Nashville's uh, uh, police department. It's very important because in the last 36 months, we've had two police killings in, uh, and da- a man named Daniel Hambrick and, and uh, a man named Clemens. And both of these situations have a lot of controversy around them. But when Sekou came and spoke to the class, he offered up another perspective about why African-Americans have the issues they have with police. And we also dig deeper into the history of Metropolitan Nashville, Davidson County. Otter Creek is in Williamson County. Nashville is not a county per se. It is a unique form of government. It's metropolitan, which is a merger between uh, the city of Nashville and Davidson County, which is why it's called Metropolitan Nashville, Davidson County, i.e. the Metropolitan Nashville Public Schools, i.e. the the Metropolitan Nashville uh, Police Department. So with it being a unique form of government, it's challenging for minorities. Let's do some history. In 19... The late 1960s, when this unique form of government was first proposed, the African-American community was said that we would have an African-American mayor by 1980, because what would have been Nashville would have been what we label the inner city. Bellevue, Madison, um, Joelton, Antioch would not have been a part of Nashville. It would have been Davidson County. When you merged this unique form of government. Beverly Browley uh, was the first mayor. His grandson is now the current mayor. Uh, You created what we now call Nashville. We have not had an African-American mayor. And what you did was you diluted the voting pool. And situations like that have happened with the African-American community here for an extremely long period of time. Because of that, it's very difficult to get a buy-in from the African-American community uh, when it comes to certain things like voting, civic participation. So community oversight now is helping level the playing field. And that's what that, that's a good example of what we talked about in, in the class also, because that's what a lot of what we're trying to do is to offer another perspective. Uh, in 10 years from now, 10 years from now, uh, Akari will be, my daughter will be 17 years old. Uh, she will prayerfully be on the way to going to Harvard, Yale, Spelman or Harvard University. Um, But by then, we should have, considering the numbers, we should have maybe one or two African-American elders. Uh, We probably will have, and this is, I'm I'm dream casting here, Uh, two or three of the staff members will be African-American. Of those two or three, prayerfully, two of them will be women. The the staff at Otter Creek will begin to look more like some of the ministries, because if you look at the ministries at Otter Creek, they impact African Americans. So from the from the from the uh, administrative, from the top, from the macro level, it needs to, it needs to be re- reflecting of that. And, and let me say this to you: that the staff here is very very open minded and they're very liberal. I, I, I find that the staff here is actually more open minded than just about any other place I've been affiliated with. But what the African American community needs to see, and what other people of color or non white Protestant males need to see, is more of a buy in and a uh, from Otter Creek that their staff and uh, looks like the rest of the world. Um, and, and that has to do, and that takes time because the very concept of where we are, Williamson County, Redwood is one of the wealthiest communities in the world. Uh, we have some of the, some of the most prominent citizens 
in Tennessee, I, some of the most prominent citizens in America. We have songwriters go here that have uh, that have charted top ten hits. Uh, we have one of the wealthiest men in America that attends this, that used to attend this church that has that's very prominent here. And so it, it, it's a it's a how do you get African Americans to believe that they would be welcome or even that the culture would allow that to happen? I thank God that I, that I wandered into this situation because it's very inviting. But you have to either you have to be open enough to let it happen, and that and that's what I would prefer to see. Uh, the demographic, to be very frank with you, doesn't even need to change. Like it doesn't need to be uh, half the church needs to be African American. No, it, it needs to be people who are willing. Because the thing that I find about Otter Creek is it's a it's a community that's really about excellence. A lot of the people here. Uh, this is one of the few churches, I think, the only church in America where a guy like Andrew Crinks, who's very critical to community oversight and a lot of race issues, and people like Preston Ship, could go to the same church as some of the hardcore. Uh, right wingers and everyone feel welcome. The diversity here is the thing that I find to be most incredible. I, I think I would like to challenge you that when you come in contact with people that are unlike you, African Americans, Latino Americans, Jewish Americans, uh, that you engage them in real conversations, or that you at least engage them, uh, because I think that's the most important, valuable thing that we can do. Uh, a, a moment of your humanity, uh, uh, you offer up a part of who you are because. That part of who you are, that moment of your humanity, can be life-changing, can be transformative. I, I appreciate the fact that I'm in Dwayne Dixon's life. It's been transformative getting to know him and his family. Uh, I'm honored to call Josh Grace my friend because, because they offer themselves up as, as, as people who, who, who are willing to be friends with me. And I was willing to be, I was open to that. So that's what the world needs, not just Otter Creek. And it's very, and I admit, it's, it's extremely difficult. Uh, Mike Organ is a good friend of mine who goes here. And Mike talks about, and Mike at one point worked for a company that managed TSU's endowment. Well, that, that is a bit of information that we had that in common considering that I was a former student at Tennessee State University. But there's no way that I would have known that if I hadn't engaged him in conversation. And that's the challenge. But, and I understand it is challenging for a lot of the um, uh, people that attend this, attend this church because they're not in in environments or uh, circumstances where they're going to run into African-Americans. But there are some, and that's when they need to try to make the attempt. I have a, you know, uh, this is this is a complicated issue for me because the people here that wish that I still went to a majority African-American church, and I have no response to that. This is a situation where I believe God has called me, this is a, a, an assignment for me, uh, because this is not something that I ever would have picked out. Uh, I tell the story that my grandfather went by the old Otter Creek because uh, my grandfather did not uh, drive on the interstates. We drove by the old Otter Creek, and he talked about that church was uh, a church that, that, that didn't have a problem with African-Americans going there because this church has a long history of being open-minded. My uh, Michael McCray, his grandfather, uh, actually preached about racial reconciliation and integration in the 50s and 60s at uh, the old Otter Creek. And this this church, this congregation has shown a history of that. I, I have no opinion that people can think, think what they want, but I would say that Otter Creek's history and the current activity toward race, I would put it up against any church in Middle Tennessee. Because these kind of conversations, by and large, are not happening in Christian circles. They're not happening in any circles, which is one of the reasons why there's so much racial division in this country. The racial division in America has very little to do with who the current president is. It has nothing to do with 
who the recently elected governor of the state is. It has more to do that we're fighting a spiritual war. We fight not against flesh and blood, but against uh, uh, principalities. We fight against things in, in higher places, dark things, evil things. So what we have to do is we have to uh, cast our lot down where we are, to quote uh, Booker T. Washington. We have to cast our bucket down. And my bucket is cast down here at Otter Creek. I, I appreciate the opportunity because it also is going to allow um, a carry in a world that's going to look a lot less like anything we know now. In 10 years, there's no telling what the city is going to look like. So if she's not, if a carry does not know how to deal with white people, uh, to be very frank with you, I'm getting a graduate degree in white people right now going to Otter Creek. Uh, I think I had a, I think I had a, like a, I think I had a GED in white, in whites uh, before. But I'm getting a master's degree now, you know, a PhD perhaps if I'm an elder, you know, and get a, <laughs> just the whole, the whole curriculum here. But it's important because I live in a city that the power structure is white. Uh, I live in a, I live in a, a, a state where the power structure, and for the time being, it's going to remain that way. So how do we navigate that and 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 create spaces for justice, equality? And, and love for people who who are not Protestant white males. So I I, I don't uh, I don't have any message of them except that I'm the person that I've always been, very unapolog unapologetically black, unapologetically Christian. Uh, I am who I am, and I, I I make no apologies for who I am to anyone. There have been some I mean there have been some awkward moments. I'm not I'm never going to be. Uh, naive enough to think everybody at Otter Creek is crazy to have this black guy here. No, they're not because I'm, I'm very outspoken and I have uh, foolishly sometimes when people say, hey, you got something to say about it? Got an opinion? Oh, I have an opinion. You know, and it's, it's and I've offered myself up and just allowed other people, some of the my family members here. I consider Jim Arnett my brother. I consider Dwayne Dixon my brother. I consider Mike Organ my brother. Brian DeMansfield. I consider these people my family. But it's allowed them an opportunity and, and other people who agreed with them to open their mind, to open their minds and their uh, apology. I look at Nance and Nan and Doug Smith as allies in the conversation of fighting for freedom. That's extremely important. So uh, I don't have any uh, Mike uh, Dunson. These people, yeah, I, I consider these people allies in what it is that we're trying to do. And this is a this is a war. This is a this is we're trying to write the greatest human atrocity in the history of the world and what happened to the Africans that were enslaved 400 years ago. Some of the, uh, some of the people here have, have uh, they don't understand that uh, language, is, language is important. And uh, the, the colloquialisms and the uh, denotative meaning of words that I use when I'm with African Americans, uh, it's still in English. Okay, uh, like we don't <laughs> we don't get together and we begin to talk jive. Hey, we're talking about brother, and it's like, oh, in the second well, let me get out of my book. It's still in English. So a lot of people here, and it, I'm not offended by it because I understand they've never had a chance to talk to African Americans. There's some members of the church that come up to me and they 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 come up to me and they speak in jive. I said, hey, how you doing? Just keeping it real. <laughs> like, wow, really? Even on Sunday morning, keeping it real. And that happens to be about once a month. And I'm not offended by it because if they've never had a conversation with a black man and they watch Saturday Night Live or, 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 another, or another conversation, they think that maybe that's the way that we talk all the time. And I do, but I, I only really, really speak jive like in North Nashville. 
and, and sometimes on Facebook. So that's about the most awkward. The, the, it's not really awkward when I sense hostility because I walk past members here and they're openly hostile. And it's fine. It, it's, <laughs> it's fine because I'm a black man. And people are hostile to me all the time. <laughs> so a little hostility here, it's okay. You know, it's, it's no big deal because that's the world that I've come out of. But I know what it is, and it's okay because I, I, would, I wouldn't expect after all the myths and stereotypes and images uh, the white people have been bombarded with in their history for it not to be that way. So, What does hostility look like here? Uh, guys walking through you, you smiling toward them, and they looking like they're about to get into a wrestling match with you, and they turn their head. Uh, it happens about once a month. Uh, if you average it, it would happen every Sunday. If you average it, because some Sundays it's more than others, especially when it's hot. The the the, the races in civil here when it's hot, ooh, they they really they really worked up. When it's cold, uh, it's not as bad. But yeah, just stuff like that. But like I said, I don't have a, a big of an issue with it as I would because I'm in a world where I do a lot of community activists. I've had to go downtown a lot in my life. Like I, I was visiting Capitol Hill when I was 12, 13 years old. I was doing speech contests, debates. So there were people there that did not want me there. It was obvious because they thought we were being, we were tokenized. They never would have gotten the building if we didn't have a rule to let blacks in the building. And it was okay. Uh, because that's what we have to, the reason I don't have an emotional attachment to it. Uh, I look at the civil rights workers before me or the civil rights activists or the people of color, they were getting dog-sicked on them. They were getting attacked. That still happens, unfortunately, uh, with some of the things that are going on in America. But it's not as bad. So we're moving toward progress. And I'm, I'm realistic. I'm much more realistic now than I would have been 10 years ago. What keeps you going? Uh, my relationship with God. Yeah. My relationship with God is the only thing that keeps me here or just keeps me plugged into anything. Because so much of my life is incredibly, incredibly, incredibly challenging. But a lot of my life is incredibly rewarding to a point that I don't even understand why I deserve some of the rewards. So it levels me out. But I have to stay plugged into the source. I really, I really, uh, I have to listen to sermons now because it's the only thing that gets me through to some of these situations. I, I'm, uh, to, to be very frank with you, teaching the class has been very challenging for me because it's caused me to be open, but it's also caused me the way of what effect it's going to have on the white people that are taking the class. Because if I had never examined that I might be playing into one of the greatest crimes in the history of the world, what kind of effect would that have on me? What sort of emotional baggage am I going to carry with that? And it's irresponsible for me to introduce that into this atmosphere, any atmosphere, without weighing the cost. So that, that, that's, that's part of what I have to, what I have to do to be a responsible leader. You see, one of, one of the other great myths in our society is that African-American leadership or African-American men of color, men and women of color, are just relegated to be leaders of our community. No, we're leaders over humanity. We're part of the greater narrative of leadership in this country. I look at Martin Luther King, Abraham Lincoln, uh, Kwesi Mfume, uh, Barack Obama, all is the same. I don't look at them as, oh, they're the black leaders. No, we're part of the American narrative. And for us as um, as African Americans, you know, we're part of the the, the same biblical narrative that's there because we actually look like the people in the Bible. But but what <laughs> look clever when there. Uh, so no, I don't look at it as any. Uh, yeah, that, that's that's what it's just my relationship with Christ, 
And it, it has to, which is why it's important for people to find faith-based institutions. And I'm not plugging for faith-based institutions, but I am. I think it's important that people join churches because if you can find a community of like-minded people and be plugged in with them, at least you can have a relational point with another human being. It's very, no man, no man is an island. Even Jesus got 12 people and Jesus could do everything. He came back from the dead, but he got 12 friends or people to, to model what it would look like to have community or what it would look like for people to work together for a common shared goal. You know, I think the staff here, I mean, I know you all don't have ever have disagreements or, or issues with each other, but um, let's say you did have a disagreement or something, you disagreed about something that was going on, you disagreed with uh, Michael or Josh. You have the model in Acts of what that looks like. So as human beings, there, there, there is, there's obviously a call for us to work together because if you believe in the Jesus story and the Jesus narrative, it's outlined that those guys disagree too. So, so church membership to me is important. Core Stories is a ministry of the Otter Creek Church in Brentwood, Tennessee. To find more stories, go to ottercreek.org stories or follow us on Instagram at Otter Creek Church.